Welcome to the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by ShareBird and Clue. This is a show about establishing product marketing and being the first product marketer. I'm your host, J.D. Prater. On today's episode, I'm chatting with the director of product marketing at HoneyBook. But before we dive into that episode, let's give a quick shout out to Clue. Clue is the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers that want to drive revenue for their business. It helps product marketers to easily collect, curate, and distribute insights that enable your revenue teams to beat their competition. Head over to Clue.com today. And make sure you check out the ShareBird job board. There are lots of first PMM roles on the market, and you can also reach out to ShareBird if you're interested in new opportunities via email at recruiting at sharebird.com. Well, let's get into it. Loren, you joined HoneyBook a few months after Square acquired Weebly, where you were also a product marketer there. Talk to me about that transition and ultimately joining HoneyBook. Yeah, that's right. Um, I joined HoneyBook a few months after Square acquired Weebly. I'm an entrepreneur by nature. So my family on both sides, both my mother and my father's side, they are all entrepreneurs. And that's basically, I think, in my blood. So (laughs) I am just way more comfortable in a setting where I know I can have influence on the company strategy, on the product, on the teams, and I can actually feel myself having that impact on the world, really, right? Because for me, it all kind of connects back to that idea of, okay, I'm going to spend 10 to 12 hours of my day doing something like that. Something has to have a real world impact. It has to change someone's lives. And if I'm not able to make that connection really easily, it's just really hard for me. And so with large companies, I think they're great. They're amazing. And there's a reason why they became large companies. And so I think it's great to work for them, definitely. But, you know, at certain stages of your career, sometimes you're more attracted to maybe a smaller company where you can have that kind of impact and influence. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important to know about yourself. And I think I'm glad that you figured that out. I think sometimes it takes, you know, I know it took me a while to figure that part out. You know, I think listeners know I started my career in nonprofit world thinking nonprofits were the only companies that could have an impact on the world. And of course I was naive and I was wrong and I was young, but I look at a lot of different companies now and they're having an amazing impact. And so whenever you took on HoneyBook, is that what attracted you to that company was the impact not only that you would have within your role, but also what the company is doing for their customers. Yeah, 100%. So HoneyBook is in a mission to empower service providers, freelancers to live a life doing what they love, right? So in other words, we are increasing the GDP of the freelance economy. Wow. Right. And what can be more impactful in the world than enabling people to make a living doing what they want to do? And especially right now in the world, the status of the world as it is, more and more people are trying to follow that passion and and great things come out of that passion. Right. And so, yes, let's enable that. Let's make that happen. And I connect to that mission really strongly. And I think that's one of the key reasons why I chose HoneyBook. Very cool. And I mean, that's important when you're evaluating companies, there has to be that value alignment. And I think that's something that, again, a lot of people are looking for. Like whenever you're evaluating a company, how did you think through the team and how did you evaluate them? How did you evaluate the opportunity 
because now you're a director, you're leading it, but you were the first PMM. So I'd love to understand how you evaluated that opportunity and maybe even part of that risk. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I actually saw a VC tweet the other day that as a VC, you get to invest in 100 startups. And as long as one of them does well, then you're good, right? But as a person, you get to invest in one startup at a time. So you have right. to be able to somehow the risk this decision, right? And it's way harder than for a VC because you don't get access to all the information that a VC gets, right? <laughs> Very so true. how I went about it is I basically went into my interviews and asked a bunch of questions. One of my coworkers that interviewed me told me actually that she felt like I was interviewing her. And I just went and asked all the questions and I got answers. And I think that also is one of the reasons why I chose HoneyBook because HoneyBook is very transparent with everything. And it does really feel like a family where we share everything that you need to be able to do your work, right? So I asked a bunch of questions, but what questions did I ask? So whenever I looked at a company, there's a few things that I looked at three really the first one is is this a product growth led company is like you can have a sales led company a product led company a design led company i like product led companies and so that was one of my first questions the second thing that i look at is this company solving a big problem for a lot of people and so just really asking questions around what is the problem that we're solving and then i was lucky enough to have an interview with the ceo in which i was not shy and i went ahead <laughs> and asked him like where are you seeing the company grow and he gave me a very good answer like not fluff at all you know gave me exactly the information that I needed to be able to understand that this company had a lot of potential for growth. And the third thing that I look at is the leadership team. Who's leading this company? Do I believe in them? Do they kind of have a track record of being successful? And I have to say at HoneyBook, everybody in the leadership team is just amazing. They're like so smart. And so that really helped me gain a bit more of that trust in like, this is a place that I want to be right now. No, I think that's a great framework. Three great questions. Always ask when interviewing, always understand if this is something that you want, right? Do you want to be on product? Do you want to be sales led? Maybe even like marketing led. You could somewhat make the argument Salesforce is marketing led, but I'm curious within the opportunity to be the first PMM, that's scary. you know. And like, how did you evaluate that opportunity to come in and say, okay, is this company ready for product marketing? And it's me, I'm the person that's going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I'm a bit of a kamikaze, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was that scared about that. But having said that, I think one of the things that made me understand that it was the right moment, the right company was a conversation I had with my manager, the CMO, and kind of understanding how he viewed product marketing and his view of product marketing aligned with mine. And let me tell you a little bit about that, though. Sure. Yeah, very interested. <laughs> so I think they're like product marketing means different things for different companies. And there are companies where product marketing focuses a lot on sales enablement. And there are companies where product marketing is more a strategic function. And for me, it was very important that I joined a company that viewed product marketing as a strategic function. And so my manager was looking for a person that could come in and look at the marketing strategy, look at the product strategy and marry those two so that we could create a strong go-to-market. 
So it was less of a support function for sales or product. It was a leading function for the company. Later, I also learned that right before they opened my headcount, the leadership team had a meeting and they identified that one of the key roles that they wanted to hire for was a product marketing person because they thought they had a gap in product education and product marketing. Got it. So amazing CMO is like, hey, you're going to be a strategic leader. You're not going to be just, I hate it to say like churning out content, but that's how it feels at times whenever you're doing more like tactical execution. And I think we've all been there at times where sometimes you just have to do that. But whenever you're thinking through that first PMM role, like talk to me about what that looked like. I mean, you've been there now over two years. How did you set up and establish product marketing? What were some of your first steps? Because before we started recording, we talked about you've always been the first product marketer. So maybe it's not as scary for you, but you know, what are some of those first steps that you typically take or that you like to take? I have to say I've done mistakes multiple times in being the first product marketing at a company. I feel like I learned from those mistakes, luckily. But when I joined HoneyBook, I think one of the first things that was very important to me was to help people understand what on earth was product marketing. Again, product marketing, the function has evolved over the last seven years that I've been or seven, eight years that I've been doing product marketing. The understanding of what we do has also evolved. I think more people understand what it is, but still when I joined, people didn't quite know how I could be helpful or what was my role. And so I created slides. I talked to people one-on-one. I made sure my first, my onboarding was like, I talked to pretty much everyone in the company. I made sure that I was on calls with customers, like eight, 12 calls with customers. So kind of really understanding customer, but then which kind of also gave me the credibility to go talk to function leaders and tell them, hey, this is how product marketing will help you achieve your goals, right? And so a lot of that evangelism to the function. The other thing is delivering value really quickly. So before I joined, I actually asked my manager to share as many documents as he could ahead of time. And so I read through all of my onboarding before I even joined HoneyBook. And so by the time I The day one, I already was ahead of the game. And so I joined HoneyBook in August and I was already leading my first multi-channel campaign for Labor Day. Oh, wow. All right. So first 30 days, you are rocking and rolling. All right. And so people are like, oh, wow. No, yeah, I understand what product marketing does. Like this was a successful campaign. Yes, we need this. We want this, right? And so I think that kind of like proving value really quickly and really early on was pretty important. And after that kind of like early wins, it was going back to kind of like proving the strategic value of product marketing. And so doing things like market sizing, where I saw a gap there, I was working on positioning and messaging, but I was like, "Mm, you know what, let's start by understanding what the size of the market is, what are the verticals that we can approach? Why do we want to approach these verticals? And I did a very thorough market sizing exercise that actually made it to the hands of the CEO, made it to a pitch deck, right? And so like, Having that kind of value again on the strategic level, proving that I think helped again, kind of establish a reputation for product marketing. And then from there, again, like building a lot of the relationship with a product team. And I think it just kind of like being able to provide value to the product team. And then also at the same time, establishing how we work together and who's responsible for what. And I think at HoneyBook, we have a pretty clear definition of that. And that has helped us have really healthy and really strong relationships with the PMs. 
Yeah, I want to dive into that because you wrote a really great answer during one of your Sharebird AMAs around product marketers being able to influence the product roadmap. And we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes, but you had a really great process that you had around like prioritizing feedback, setting up that, what is it, every six weeks, getting that rhythm and providing it. Talk to me about getting to that point. I mean, was it really as easy as, hey, we're going to meet every six weeks? Because I can't imagine I've been in enough orgs. I've been worked with enough people. It's never just that easy. So I'm curious, how did you get to there? Because I loved the answer and I loved the process. Yeah, it was definitely a process. I'm very lucky to work at Honeybook with just incredible people. I think one thing that helps a lot is that the culture at Honeybook is really open to feedback and is really open to working together. It's really collaborative and really open to feedback. So that made my life a lot easier. When I joined, they were already meeting. The product team and the customer facing teams were already meeting to give that feedback. The problem was that it was a very tedious meeting because what was happening is that there was a list of features that we would go over every six weeks of like the top support tickets or the top uh, feedback from the sales team that they would get. And it was always the same set of requests, right? And it was just kind of like not very productive because there was nothing new in that conversation. And so what I did to kind of shift that is instead of going over all the tickets every time, I just helped our teams choose three three issues that we were going to talk about. And then how do we tie these three issues to our value props? How do we show that having these issues are actually hurting our value props and are hurting our ability to deliver value to our users? And then let's just go deep into them and show examples of conversations, right? Like screenshots, recordings, examples in the product. And so kind of helping our customer facing teams put a pace to the issue was really helpful to help the product team understand what was the impact of that. Because the other issue was that you would look at the number of mentions of that issue and it wasn't that many, right? It was like, well, but it's not that many people that mentioned this, like, why should we fix it? And it's not really that. Oh similar. yeah, no, I've been there. This meeting sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Product team is really open. So no, it wasn't necessarily, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but at the same time, it's always like a question in the back of people's head. Like, well, is that uh, many? How do we prioritize this? And so just kind of like bringing the customer to life a little bit more and helping people, product teams empathize with the issue a little bit more was really helpful. And then from uh, there, we also kind of classified product feedback into missing features and then product education issues. So that way also I took some of the responsibility of like, hey, you know, this is an issue that actually marketing needs to fix. And so I think that created a nice collaborative. Yeah, I really like that. I really love just the idea of like, all right, but we're going to talk about three things. That is it. And then like just bringing it to life and having it focus on the customer. I mean, huge. I mean, that's what we're all trying to solve for rather than like my customer or it becomes, you know, you almost get kind of territorial at times, right? Or the number of tickets, right? And you can like take those five and make it one issue, right? But I also liked how you brought it back to the key value props. This is not helping us deliver. I mean, that's also extremely important. And what I found with working with product teams is a lot of times I could bring up an issue, but that really wasn't the problem. The problem was like a workflow issue. So it was actually three steps earlier and they fixed that. It actually resolved this downstream problem. And so that was fun. 
So I think being able to show those workflows and then show those customer quotes. And then I also just loved how you classified incomplete feature, a missing feature or lacking education. And that just shows like, okay, it's lacking education. They obviously don't know how to use it. PMM will own that. We'll create something in-app notification. It's an email, whatever it is, right? So I say kudos, please. If you're listening, go check out that framework because I think when you're establishing product marketing, this is a key meeting, bringing the stakeholders together, bringing the teams together, finding that rhythm, finding that cadence, servicing those customer problems, but also doing it in a way that actually leads to change. You know, that's the implementation part. So I loved your answer there. Yeah. And I think the other side of the equation though, is also managing the expectations of the customer facing teams, because our product team is amazing and they work on everything. Like they really care about our uses they work on stuff, but sometimes it takes time. Right. So sometimes like something will take, I don't know, six months to get fixed. And so there's a bit of a frustration of they're not listening to us in the product team is listening. So kind of like, how do you close the loop and make sure that the sales team knows that, yeah, we built this feature. It took us a little bit, but we did it. Here it is. Right. And so to kind of have that conversation, keep it going and closing that loop is pretty important. Yeah. And also like they get to be a part of those trade-offs, right? You know, it's like, Hey, we can, we can build this out. It's going to take us 20 weeks or we can build this one out and it's in two sprints four week, you know, something like that. Right. And it's like, Oh, now what do you pick? Right. And then you get to, it's like, okay, weigh in. Right. And it's a difficult thing. I don't envy a lot of times that the PMs that have to make these trade-offs to internal stakeholders, but also to their customers. So uh, a good PM is always fun to work with though. So I want to move now, whenever you're thinking through your challenges, right? Like I love that you tackled this. I love that you had a great onboarding. You've established your value. What do you think about your challenges now? You're two years in, you've made some hires. You know, what does it look like now? Two years after kind of a still, I'll say, quote unquote, establishing product marketing, or do you feel like it's now established? Now we're, we're fully building onto it now. Hell no, we're not fully established. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that one of our bigger challenges is still even today is that there's too much work and too little people. And so just being able to understand where to focus and where we can add the most value is something that is a constant thing that it's always on my mind, right? So yeah, so kind of like just prioritizing and knowing where to focus. As product marketers, especially at a company like HoneyBook that has a self-serve business model, so it's a subscription business. We want people to do a trial and subscribe to our product, right? And so we want that to be fairly self-sufficient. And so product marketing here is responsible or influencing everything from the top of funnel all the way down to creating advocates, which means we're always trying to figure out where's the balance, like where should we put more effort today versus tomorrow, right? So like these have, we launch new pricing and packaging, right? And so that's a hugely top of final move. But at the same time, we're working on a beta product. And so we're focusing on making sure that beta is successful, right? And so we're kind of like in a balancing act between those two big initiatives. And then there's like five other initiatives that require you to also kind of like at least help a little bit. And so, yeah. I mean, it's tough. I'm sure everyone listening is nodding their head going, yep. There's always a ton of work. I've never crossed a team that's like, no, we're good. We're just coasting. We're putting in 30 hours. No, no problem. But how do you make your case? Like, I know that's a question a lot of PMMs have. They're coming in, they're establishing it, and they're ready to make that first hire or second hire. They're ready to grow a team. How do you, you know, talk to me about some of those conversations that you've had with your CMO? 
So I think those are tricky. And I think it ultimately comes down to proving how you have an impact in the business. And so I think that very much depends on how you're going to structure your team and saying, okay, if I add an additional headcount, they're going to be focusing on top of funnel. Therefore, they're going to bring X amount of new subscribers, right? Or they're going to be focusing on activation and activation has this impact in the bottom line and kind of like being able to tie that back to that has been helpful. But I also think that there is, again, because PMM is a strategic function, a lot of the work we do is not necessarily always tied to revenue. Right. And so it's kind of helping the organization understand how strategy ultimately creates growth. Yeah. You're influencing, right? It's like, don't hold me to it. But if this strategy is working, you're going to see growth, right? And so yeah. that's always a delicate balance. So I can definitely appreciate walking that tightrope whenever you're like, I'm not whining. I just need more headcount. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to be able to do these things. And yeah. you know, I want to help like the company. And it's like, you know, those five things that we've always been thinking we need to do. Well, I would love to do them. I know how to do it. I know I can do it. I just don't have the bandwidth. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. I would also like to have a life outside of work, you know? <laughs> well, let's transition. We're asking everyone that comes on the show, thrills and chills. I mean, that's the name of the podcast. It's the highs and the lows of your product marketing career. Whenever you look back on your years of experiences across all these different companies, what are some of those highs and what are some of those lows? What are some of those thrills and chills? The highs are definitely when you see the impact of your work, right? So either you see incredible growth behind an initiative you launched, right? Like, oh, we're running promos and these promos are, you know, each time we run a promo, we get 50% growth in subscribers. Yay! <laughs> it's yeah. like super exciting. Or... Oh man, I just had a customer call and I explained to them how to use this feature. And then they posted on their social media that HoneyBook is the most amazing tool and it's life-changing for them. And you know, how great their business is now. And that's like so satisfying, right? Yeah, 100%. They also tend to screenshot our emails. And every time <laughs> I screenshot and post on social media, my emails, I'm like, yes. <laughs> It's the most random thing. Some of the lows, I think, again, is in in how hard, especially kind of at the beginning of my career, how hard it was to explain to people what the value was that I brought to the table. And in full transparency, also believing in myself and believing myself that I actually did provide that value and that I did have all that knowledge and that even if other people didn't quite understand it, that didn't mean that it wasn't real. Yeah, that's a good and one. And so just like trusting yourself and saying, no, like I know something that can help us be successful. So listen to me. <laughs> that one's so hard. I mean, you've, I think everyone has had that low. Like what I mean by that is we've all felt that where you're like, why don't you believe me? And then you kind of like self-doubt on yourself, you know? And you're like, maybe I'm not valuable. And maybe what I'm saying isn't valuable. Like, and it's almost just like you're talking past each other and the dots just aren't aligning. They're not connecting. But once they do, it's great. I love that. So it's definitely a low though. I will say it usually happens. So if you're experiencing that low, know that you're not the only one and keep working at it. 
keep trying, keep at it and know that you are providing value. I think you're spot on there. I try to get people out of that low. Like I've been there and it can last a week or two or a month, but eventually something happens and there is that connection. Yeah. And it's a balance between being open to, you know, being wrong, but also knowing and, you know, trusting your experience, trusting your strategic thinking abilities, you know, and skills and saying, look, at least let's try it. Or, you know, coming up with ways to A-B test whatever your idea is and kind of having that negotiation. But yeah, it's like believing in yourself. And I think that's super important. Spoken like a true entrepreneur right there. So, you know, coming back to the very beginning, you talked about being an entrepreneur and I do think it's a very important skill set. I think that first PMM, if you've listened to these podcasts, I think entrepreneur is a good one. And I'm glad that you brought that forward because I think there's a piece of that ownership. There's a piece of that providing value. And there's a piece of just, I'm gonna go figure this out. Yeah. And trust me, I'm gonna get to that answer. We're all learning as we go. And so, yeah, exactly. yeah well, thanks again for coming on the show and talk to us about uh, establishing product marketing over at HoneyBook and even at a previous company. So I definitely appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks everyone. That wraps up today's episode of Thrills and Chills. And again, thank you Clue for being a sponsor of this show because with Clue, you can build and deliver battle cards to help sales close more deals. Stay on top of your competitor strategies and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. And a special thanks again to ShareBird for making this podcast possible. We'll see you all next Thursday.